It was super dope, man, because you grew up as a kid playing Madden, so everybody always made their player 99. You know, even when you got in the league or when they had the NCAA or when they had, when I first got into Madden, you know, you went in there and edited your stack to get to 99. So to start off that way was, was definitely a blessing. I wanted to do business in college, and, you know, that's what I got my degree in. But I think majority of what played a factor was the people that I reached out to, you know, reaching out to different guys that had tried to negotiate and try to figure out what problems that they ran into when they were trying to do their deal. That ultimately prepared me for being in that room. You definitely remember the relationships. It's always cool to, when you win a championship, to win with people that you genuinely rock with. You know, playing with Cam, playing with Earl, playing with Sherm, Mike B, Cliff Averill, you know, a lot of those guys, man, which is an amazing time. Welcome to the John Hanna episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 73. It's been a little while since we've been able to record a Pull Up pod, so I'm glad we're able to reconvene and get things started again. I'm fresh off a great vacation where I went to Italy and Santorini, Greece. Santorini, Greece is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen with my two eyes. Um, It's a real life screensaver, as I said on my social media, and I'm thankful I was able to visit that place. Beautiful country, beautiful people, great food. I really enjoyed myself with my fiance. And I got back and began working again to get ready for this upcoming season. Had some time to to get dinner with Pull Up Pod's finest, Jordan Schultz and his beloved wife. And uh, we actually went to a vegan spot, so that was dope, and we'll definitely talk about that in a bit. Uh, But in the meantime, Jordan has also been able to go to Santorini, Greece, so we have to briefly talk about how beautiful that place is. Have you been you've been to you've been to Athens, not Santorini, Greece? Yes, no. See, we've been to Athens, Santorini, and Mykonos, and I would rank Mykonos. Oh yeah, that's right. I I'd probably go Santorini number one, and then Mykonos two, Athens three. Uh, Athens is great, but you know you can do it in a day because the Acropolis is awesome. But it's not like it's not like a must stay. But a Santorini. You said it. I think it's debatably one of the, maybe the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah, it's it's fire. And I think you said you went uh, right after college. So you went fresh, fresh out of college some, some years back and were able to kind of explore. I think yeah. that just the, the aura, the vibes, everything about that place, you know, the altitude obviously a little bit higher depending on where you stay at uh, on the island, being able to kind of see the mountains in the backdrop. There's an active volcano uh, that still exists there. And just to be able to kind of explore and relax and it gives off like Hawaii vibes because of how beautiful the scenery is, but but you also have yeah. great food and I'm just thankful for the experience. And in, in Tuscany, we had some great wine and I really enjoyed ourselves. Uh, spent some time in Siena. Um, as well as uh, Bologna, but it was it was all in all it was a, it was a great trip. I'm thankful I was able to do it, and um, really looking forward to the season now. Uh, we're about I don't know a month from camp. Yeah, a month from camp, and about 47, 48 days from uh, opening night. So things are things are happening pretty fast. Uh, a lot of movement around the league. A lot of uh, guys signing new deals, obviously. Shout out to Eric Gordon, uh, reaching a new deal with the Houston Rockets. I think it was three years, $54.5 million guaranteed uh, with an option uh, for $20.9 million on the last year. So congrats to him um, being able to uh, accomplish uh, another extension uh, on a championship caliber team. And then we have to look at the Lakers. 
What type of impact do you think Dwight Howard is going to have? Uh, I think part of the compromise he made was that he's a new person. He's changed. He's willing to accept a role. And they will judge him solely on how he reacts to a more limited role than he's had in the past. Yeah. Um, before we dive into the NBA, just really quick, Steve. What, what, was the, what was your highlight of the trip, though? I mean, what was your favorite place? And favorite meal. And favorite meal. Man, that's tough. Every meal was amazing in, in Santorini. We ate at this this little fish tavern right off the water. Um, it was it was sensational. Um, the sea. I basically had seafood for almost every meal. You know, while I was there, every day. Yeah, just yeah. because that's that Greek diet. It's so exactly it's so fresh. It's hard to so light. Yeah, it's hard to ignore it. But I think two things. Two things. One of the highlights was we went to Restaurante uh, Mio Mio Moto. Um, in Tuscany, uh, a very good place on Borgo Santo Pietro's uh, small resort. We, uh, Lisa and I did a private cooking class as wow. well, which was super, super sensational. But I think the best, the best food would probably be the fish tavern I'm referring to in Santorini is called Armini Fish Tavern. I think the food was better. I, the pasta was great, obviously, in Italy, but I think the actual versatility of food was better in Santorini. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I just felt like everything, everything was a little bit different there, just because of the vibes and obviously the seafood was different. But it's, Italy had great seafood and great Italian food and, and, and really solid pizza. So it, it's, it's hard to compare them because they're so different. But I, I just really enjoyed both experiences and obviously being able to drink wine um, in Italy, you know, at different uh, wineries was really special. Yeah. What's great about Greece is that it has world-class food and, and it has these great accommodations, but you, you know, you're in Greece. So like Santorini, what I was so impressed and, and we went when we were really young, so I, I really didn't know what to expect. But uh, like you said, the, the, the pasta, I, I remember the pasta in Santorini being, some of the best ever. They're, they have that great, like, volcanic mineral mineral wine. It, it was wonderful. Um, we did Florence, but we have not done Siena and the rest of Tuscany. I'm really jealous of that. So, um, I, but, like, on paper, you would say, okay, the best food's in Tuscany. But I, I'm not that surprised that you would, you would have had that good of an experience in Greece because the food in Greece is – that Mediterranean diet is no joke. It's really, really good. It was super solid. I think the the scenery in the background just kind of set everything off to where it just felt like paradise, and and I think that plays a a role. But the, not not to knock the food. The food in Venice, the food in Italy, it was it was great. And obviously, when you're in Tuscany, you got the uh, Chianti region or Chianti region, or however you say it. You have that region of wine to where you're able to really get some. You're really really able to get some classics, um, and that just makes everything that much better. So. It was the the restaurant we went to, um, Asteria di uh, Passignano. Passignano. Um, you, you butcher that. I don't know what it's called. I know it's not that. I, I destroyed that. I destroyed that. But the food there was amazing. Um, it was special. It was really special. And I think the most important thing is that uh, Elise had a great time and was able to you know kind of get back to her roots, uh, going to one of her uh, motherlands. Um, outside of Africa, being able to experience Italy, uh, where wow. her grandma, uh, her grandma, and, and a lot of those ancestors are, are hailing from Naples and different parts of Italy. So it was it was nice to her to be able to experience it. That's wonderful. And we had, as you mentioned, we be remiss if I did not say ABCV. Shout out to them for an incredible meal. Uh, I know that you're not a vegan, but 
I know you like that food too. How good was that place? The food was sensational. And like you said before, I'm not a vegan, not going to play and pretend that uh, I'm, I'm the guy who <laughs> always eats like that. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a front on, but I do enjoy good vegetables. Um, I do enjoy uh, mixing it up at times. And it was, it was really good to be able to enjoy a, a full vegan meal. And from start to finish, it was fantastic. And obviously the dessert we had was also yeah. sensational. And to be able to wash that down with some fine wine made things that much better. So thanks again, bro. I appreciate that too. That was, that was, that was a good look. Oh, for sure. I appreciate I, I, it. And you know what? We'll, we'll have to share. I'll have to get those bottles. I think I might've taken a picture of each of them on my phone for, for our listeners, but we, we had some great wine, great laughs, and it, it was wonderful. And um, I'm so glad we got to do it, and uh, so glad that uh, you know you're you got to experience with Elise uh, how amazing that trip is. And and for our listeners, Santorini definitely uh, a must go if you have the opportunity. Don't 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 miss it. It's it's that special. Um, all right, so you were we were talking NBA, and you talked about Dwight Howard. My take on this is just confusion, and I guess. I would pose the question to you is what what's the best case scenario for Dwight Howard and the Lakers? Because I don't think there's necessarily a whole lot of upside. Um, but I guess in theory, his physicality could help Anthony Davis, uh, especially defensively, where he doesn't have to bang as much. And that 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 would be a positive. But just the given the history of Dwight Howard and the organization that's not even that long ago. I was really surprised to see this deal get done. I think the best case is him being more than serviceable, you know, being able to get close to a double-double every night, you know, obviously impacting both both sides of the of the court, you know, offensively, defensively, controlling defensive glass, you know, contesting and altering shots and being able to allow Anthony Davis to play to four and not have to play to five is something that I think will will make him pretty happy, not having to bang every possession and, and guard some of those bigger bodies. And then that also allows LeBron to play more three. And obviously, LeBron can play a bigger position. Um, when they go small ball, he can move to the four. Uh, when Anthony Davis lies to the five. So I think it gives him some versatility. And uh, in his limited action with the Wizards, he looked great. You know, in that in that game he played in, he was excellent. The jump hooks, the excitement of being able to face up and, and showed some improved touch around that, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 foot area where he could find the backboard and, and use the angles, kind of like Tim Duncan. So... I think it'll be interesting to see how everything comes together. Obviously, it's a long season. A lot happens throughout a season. But I think the Lakers are happy they were able to find a, a, serviceable, a serviceable big who can impact both ends of the floor. Yeah, you mentioned the four. I mean, to to just allow, like, it's worth it to me, assuming Dwight is, is accepting of his role, which I think he will be. It's worth it to me to bring him in um, for two reasons. One is, you know, Boogie's ACL tear, which is, uh, catastrophic, and I, I really feel badly for the guy. And and it's just it's a terrible break for him and the team. Um, but also for like you said, to allow AD to play a little bit more away from the basket, and also not have to guard the big fives. And, and I think that's that's a big plus um, as well. So speaking of of NBA, this isn't I, like I don't know how much people are watching FIBA World Cup, and I know it's I know it's not the Olympics. But uh, it has been probably surprising to just about every NBA slash USA basketball fan that they lost to Australia in an exhibition, and then they barely beat Turkey today, uh, as we record this on September 3rd. They barely beat Turkey in overtime in a, in a group stage game. So what have you been... What have been your uh, interpretations so far? I've been watching European basketball for a long time just because my brother plays 
um, in Europe. So I have a, a good understanding of the skill level of a lot of those players. You know, obviously my brother played in Turkey for a long time, so I'm very familiar with a lot of the Turkish players. I'm very familiar with a lot of the Greek players and and uh, some of those other leagues out there that exist. These players are very skilled in Europe is a different brand of basketball, especially when you go to the Olympics. Obviously, the balls are different. The the game flow is different. The zone defenses these guys are going to face is different than what we may normally be accustomed to. And then as you've seen in that Brazil-Greek Greek game where the guy knocks the ball off the rim, there's some adjustments in the rules that, have to, that, that guys have to make. And I think as they continue to gain more experience and face games like they did today uh, or the other day against the uh, Turkish team, They'll be better suited for the long run. I think they still have a great chance of, of winning the World Cup. There's obviously some tough teams out there in Serbia, um, France, uh, and so on and so forth. But I'm not surprised. It's going to be a, a, a tough environment, obviously, and it's a different experience for a lot of guys who are getting their first their first experience uh, in that type of situation where they're playing uh, for the United States in this type of World Cup situation to where there's a lot of experienced veterans out there, but I'm not surprised the games have been closed so far because the competition has continued to improve. And there's a lot of NBA players on a lot of those teams that they're going to face. So you're talking about high level, high caliber talent uh, that, that they're seeing, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they still are able to come out on top because they have a lot of talented NBA guys and obviously elite level coaching. CJ, you mentioned the contrasting styles in, in FIBA, and it is very much a different game. Obviously, the ball, the three-point line, uh, the paint, the the rules on the rim in terms of the cylinder. It, it's also game flow, pick and roll. And you're talking about Turkey, a team that's played together for a very long time, as is the case with many of these teams. Uh, the Serbias, Greeces of the world, Spain, where they have even their young players are, are more experienced internationally. Than ours, so I think that plays a big role, and I think you'll start to see USA basketball uh, this this specific version of it um, mature from an experience that they maybe didn't expect. And Miles Turner said, you know, it was basically like the most fun game he ever played in. I thought that was really cool to hear, and uh, I do hope uh, for the sake of the NBA or for USA fans that uh, they definitely use this as a launching point. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think obviously there's a lot of talented players representing our country. But it's still a unique situation in where a lot of guys haven't played together. Besides the whole Celtics roster basically being on the team, you got a lot of pieces that aren't accustomed to playing together. Whereas you face these European teams, they've been playing together since they were younger. They have a lot more time to kind of prepare, gain that cohesiveness, um, be able to kind of mesh faster than it would it would be for, for the USA team. But I think they got They'll be just fine. They'll get they'll get out of this stage uh, unscathed. Obviously, big free throws down the stretch is about the little things. And Turkey missed their free throws, and Chris Middleton made his. And I think that was the biggest difference. And you look at Donovan Mitchell securing a few offensive rebounds to keep that possession alive. There was a lot of things that didn't go their way throughout the night. Obviously, they didn't shoot well. They turned the ball over. Some some things that they could have done better, but they made the hustle plays. And I think that's going to be the difference: the athleticism and being able to make the hustle plays. Um, throughout the rest of this uh, potential tourney run. Yeah, and shout-out to Kemba Walker, former pull-up podcast, and uh, one of the NBA's really good guys. Uh, he was awesome down the stretch, basically carried the U.S. Uh, in overtime, and, uh, I, I, you know, he had five of his 14 points and a steal, basically, to end the game uh, in terms of overtime. So I, I'm excited about what this team can do. Uh, I, I put the odds on them winning it 
at 98, 97%. How about that? 97. How about you, C? Are you around there? I, I'm not going to put a percentage on it. I think there's a high likelihood that they'll win it, but I think that um, based on looking at the roster, looking at um, how good Joker is, having played against him, he's going to be very hard to stop, especially in the European setting to where he's been yeah, accustomed to being able to draw fouls, being able to manipulate uh, certain situations in his favor. Um, he's obviously an all-world NBA talent. I think he's going to pose some problems because he's he's going to pose problems for for any team, especially um, as he continues to gain more experience. And with him being in this circuit, representing his country, I think that uh, they have to be one of the teams that's a favorite as well as the United States. I would say. Uh, just for, if this is interesting to people, I don't know if it is, but I, I've seen pretty much all these teams play except for some of the really lower ones. Uh, France, Greece, Lithuania, Serbia is very good. Russia, Argentina. Um, I think, I think that's like, th- those are the best teams. Oh, Spain, Spain. But like you said, they're all really experienced. So I, I don't know when that catches up to the U S uh, in terms of a loss, if it does, but um, th- this was a really good tune-up, and I-, I hope I hope they learn from it, and I think they will. So, um, in terms of uh, NFL, see, um, this is a big week because your your Cleveland Browns <laughs> and my Seahawks, week one. Now, I-, I think I might be more bullish on the Browns than you are. I have them at eleven and five. That's aggressive, and that is, that is I aggressive. have them going going and losing, but nonetheless going to the AFC Championship game. Wow. Wow. That's wow. how good I think they are. Wow. I, I like it, man. I, so, I think that, so the question is, where are you at? As a lifelong Browns fan, we we don't like to count our eggs before they hatch. We know we have a great team in place. Right. You know how A lot is. of great skill positions, but there's a lot of unknowns. Obviously, injuries change the franchise. Being able to find that chemistry, find that balance, Baker being able to get used to all the weapons he has um, and how to utilize those weapons, it takes time. And our schedule isn't very favorable early on. You know, we have some tough games. It, it kind of settles out and gets a little bit easier down the down the stretch of the uh, actual season. But I say nine and seven, ten and six. Um, I think we'll be right right in position to, to potentially win our division, but it's going to be tough, man. There's a lot of things that go that happen that go your way and that don't go your way, and it's the little things, being able to execute, not getting off offsides, false starts, the, the penalties, those types of things that change a game. Um, special teams, being able to make field goals. Those things really matter, and I always say you're only as good as your role players. So being able to have, you know, obviously the star power is there, but the other players will be the difference in this season and being able to execute um, – and potentially win a Super Bowl. But I would say 10 and 6 is a safe bet. If I was a Vegas odds better, uh, I think they put it at 9.5 or something like that. I would say um, if it's 8.5, take the over. If it's 11 or 10.5, take the <laughs> under because I think 10 wins is our sweet yeah. spot for this upcoming season. Well, Seattle and, and Cleveland are both heavy favorites in week one. What I do like about the Browns is the defense. You know, obviously the offense gets the headlines, but defensively they're, they're stout. I mean, the, the defensive line between Garrett uh, Richardson um, and Olivier Vernon, the corner. I mean, Denzel Ward is a superstar. And uh, and obviously, we know the division's very tough. Um, and they get Kareem Hunt back middle of the season, which will be great for Nick Chubb. So I, I love the Browns. Uh, I've been very – I've been – buy Brown stock, okay? Bet the over wins, whatever it is, Super Bowl if you want to take a risk. But I'm all in on the Browns this year. I think they're last year's – Chiefs should be a great season, man. And, and before we get off of here, 
be remiss if we didn't mention that you talked about the Seahawks for a reason. We have a special guest calling into the pull-up pod, Bobby Wagner of the Seattle Seahawks. Great guy, great football player who has a dope conversation uh, for us here. So I hope you guys all enjoy that for sure. And a 99 in Madden. <laughs> 99 overall rating in Madden, which is a super bar. We have a very, very special guest. Shout out to Jordan for pulling this off for us. We truly do appreciate it. Uh, he was drafted second round out of Utah State in the 2012 draft. Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro 2014, 16 through 18, second-team All-Pro in 15. I'm uh, going to go to some of the college stats. Three-time first-team All-WAC 2009 to 2011. Was a two-star recruit by Rivals.com. And according to the websites, your only offer came from Utah State, which is crazy that all of these schools passed up on you. Racked up 22 combined tackles in the Senior Bowl and was named the MVP and North's Most Outstanding Player. And most recently negotiated his own three-year $54 million contract extension with $40.2 million coming guaranteed. Through the 2022 season, without further ado, I want to welcome special guest Bobby Wagner to the Pull Up Pod. Appreciate you calling in, man. Man, appreciate you having me on, man. It's some of them stats, man. I didn't even know my stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. CJ, Bobby's a humble dude, man. Uh, I see, man. I see humble beginnings to, to great endings, man. That's what I like to see. I love those types of stories. And um, I think that the dopest part about and people that become extremely successful is that you're so caught up in greatness and chasing greatness that a lot of times you forget uh, what it took to get there and some of the stuff you accomplished along the way. Sometimes you forget about it, man. So it was good to kind of bring up some of those old days and just kind of take it back to when you were a two-star recruit. Do you envision your life, you know, kind of being like this at, up to this point? Um, you know, being 29 years old, having established yourself in the league, receiving a 99 overall rating at Madden. Is this how you envisioned it when you were a kid? Uh, nah, man, I don't think you could have, um, envisioned anything. I think the biggest thing that I, I wanted to do was just, you know, my, my goal was just to get to the league and my goal was to try to be successful. Um, you know, I try, I watched guys like Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher and, you know, Jaren Seau, Ken Norton Jr. and all those guys. And, you know, I just was, you know, praying that, you know, my career could be something like that. But I mean, and in high school, I was, you know, I thought I was a basketball player. So, um, you know, I didn't pick up the football until um, until late. So maybe if I picked up sooner, I probably would have uh, got looked at a little bit more. But, I mean, like you said, man, it worked out for me. You know, I'm extremely blessed. So, CJ, you know, um, I've I've been told by by numerous teammates of Bobby's over the years that that he is the best basketball player on the Seahawks and, and one of the really good NFL basketball players. So, Bobby, when I when I think about that, I, I have to ask, who's your NBA comparison? Who's my NBA <laughs> comparison? Um, I would say Jordan with a little bit of Kobe, LeBron, <laughs> Magic. <laughs> uh, so, basically. You know a little bit of CJ, Damien. You're basically saying you're really nice. I'm, I'm all right, man. I, can, I think I can hold my own, man. I think if I got like a 20-day or 10-day contract, I think I'd get another another 10-day <laughs> afterwards. I believe I it. I, I see the athleticism 
the, the 40 time, the vert, the athleticism in terms of being able to shed blocks and get tackles. You'd be able to box out. You'd be able to rebound. You'd be able to catch and shoot. And if you make your free throws, I, I don't see why you couldn't average close to a double-double. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? When y'all blowing them out, man, put me in. I, I You know, I excite the crowd a little bit. CJ, you need those minutes down. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, we we take all the help we can get, honestly. You know, we, we're trying to build, and in the West, it's extremely tough. So um, it, that's not some, something you might want to look forward to later on in life, man. <laughs> come, up, come up the road, you know, three-hour drive. You can take a helicopter. It'll be faster. Um, and come get some come get some wreck in when you feel like it. Hey, yeah, man, I'm down, man. Y'all tell me when I'm down there. I got the deal done, so we all good. <laughs> Sounds good. Speaking of the deal, you got the deal done. You negotiated... Uh, on your own, and based on some of the feedback uh, I read about, it, it was basically a lot of positive, positive feedback. Uh, Joel Corey, a former NFL agent who now writes about league financial issues for CB, CBSSports.com, he said, I'm pretty sure there are a couple of well-known agents, guys who have pretty high caliber clients or Pro Bowl clients who wouldn't have gotten the same contract Bobby got. It would be for less money and with a worse structure. So kind of walk us through the process of you deciding to negotiate your own deal and what negotiations were like and how you were able to essentially become the highest paid inside linebacker in NFL history? Uh, I felt like uh, it was kind of go, going that way. Um, you know, I had been with a couple of agents and, you know, I was, I was happy, but I was still looking for, you know, a way to, to challenge myself. And, you know, I felt like business was something that I really wanted to get into. And, you know, every off season I started to kind of, you know, dive in, whether it was investments and whether it was um, different types of things. And so I kind of just, um, you know, try to think, try to forward think a little bit and, and, you know, negotiating and doing contracts was something that I was interested in. And I felt like, you know, if I couldn't take that chance with my own deal, um, then I wouldn't be able to take that chance you know, when I was done playing football. So I started to study. Um, I started to reach out to various people, um, you know, business people, various, um, you know, NFL players, various, just trying to get as much information that I can because, you know, um, obviously the thing that I felt the agents had on me was experience. But, you know, I felt like I can kind of minimize that gap by, um, you know, speaking with people that was familiar with, different situations and um I kind of just went to work I kind of approached it how I approach football you know you put the work in um good things will come out and so you know the Seahawks were really you know really cool because they you know allowed me um to do it and and then you know it took me took me serious knew that you know the first thing when I told them you know this you know means something to me and it was very serious for me to, to not only get a deal done but get a a good one given the kind of the recent backlash that, you know, certain guys that, that did their deal got, which, you know, there's a lot to that. But, uh, yeah, man, I was really just looking for a challenge, man. I really wanted to challenge myself, and I felt like this was a way to do it, and it's something that I want to do a uh, life as a football. So uh, I took a chance, and it worked out. Bobby, how did your emotions um, change or, you know, go up and down throughout the process of waiting for it to get done? I know that there were times where you felt like, you know, you weren't sure if it was going to get done. So was there anxiety or did you feel less anxious because 
you felt like you were in more control of the situation and the and ultimately the ending? Um, I felt like uh, I was at peace. I had a good um, support around me during the time. You know, I had you know great friends, great support that kind of helped me with anxiety because uh, of course you know you want the deal done um, asap. So when it wasn't done by um, training camp. Uh, you kind of start getting into the mind frame of, all right, well, maybe this could potentially be my last year here. And, you know, I need to, you know, adjust accordingly. But, um, you know, I felt like, you know, I wanted to be in Seattle. And I felt like, you know, everybody um, from the Seahawks wanted me to be in Seattle. So I felt like that was a, you know, a good recipe for a deal getting done. And so I just had to be patient and, you know, just had to, um, believe that it was going to get done. You know, there, there was moments where I, where I felt like, you know, maybe it wasn't going to happen, but, you know, I felt like it was, it was part of the process. Um, you know, there's definitely, definitely was some frustrating times, but, you know, like I said, I had really good people around me that, uh, to remind me to be patient, to remind me, just trust the process and, and, um, you know, believe that it was going to get done and, and ultimately it got done. Do you think the fact that you went to school for four years, you had those, those business interests, aligned with the response other guys received based on negotiating the deals. Do you think that played a factor in, in why you wanted to negotiate your own deal? You talked about the business side of things and how you, you started your investments and you wanted to kind of roll the dice and start it, start by representing yourself. Do you think the college pedigree kind of played a factor in this decision-making process? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I wanted to do business in, in college and, you know, that's what I got my degree in, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's different things, man. Like when it comes to college, I think, you know, even getting a degree in college, I think no degree is going to substitute for experience. And so, you know, a lot of times people get uh, degrees and still have to take training in the field that they're going into because the degree doesn't necessarily, it kind of just gives you a foundation, doesn't necessarily give you um, the necessary tools that you need to perform that task. So I didn't, when I went to school, I didn't, you know, it's not like I went to agent school or not. I went to negotiating an NFL contract school. It was, you know, the general business. So, um, you know, I can't say that it really played a factor in everything. I think majority of what played a factor was um, the people that I reached out to, um, the time that I took to kind of study what I was kind of coming in. I, I mean, I grabbed the CBA probably about four years ago and I started taking a look at it and trying to understand it and, you know, reaching out to different guys that had tried to negotiate and try to figure out what problems that they ran into when they were trying to do that deal, reach out to, you know, maybe ex GMs or ex teams or whatever and see, you know, how they would view it or what they would expect or what should I be ready for when I went into the rooms. And so I just try to gather as much information as possible and, you know, I don't think that I think it was more beneficial me doing that um, because that ultimately prepared me for being in that room um, when, it, when it got time. Was it a strategic play on your part to take the three year deal, knowing that you'll be 31, 32 and able to potentially sign another three or four year deal? Well, I didn't want to I, I didn't want to do a long deal um, because there was, you know, obviously there's a stigma. I don't know how it is in the NBA, but there's definitely a stigma when it comes to NFL players. The moment you turn 30, 
um, they tend to look at you differently, no matter um, what the position, well, unless you're a quarterback, but um, they tend to look at you differently. So, you know, uh, the goal was to try to get, um, you know, a short deal done. That was still pretty lucrative. Bobby, what was the role that, that Michael Jordan played? For those who don't know, uh, Bobby's been with uh, Brand Jordan for the last couple of years. And obviously, I know you guys took a trip uh, to France um, and that you had a, a meaningful, impactful conversation with him. And I can't think of a better person than to seek advice from um, than, than, than Michael Jordan when it comes to, to sports and, and brand and, and all of these things. So what, what was the impact that that conversation had on you? Um, I just felt like, he, you know, he provided a, um, you know, a really cool perspective. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, here you got, you know, a, a, a player who dominated, you know, his sport and moved on to now um, owning a franchise. And so he's dealing with, you know, having to do contracts and things of that nature, um, you know, every day now. So it was just, a, you know, like I said, part of me gathering information, like what better person to ask, you know, specific questions to than to him. And so, you know, we were just down, we were down in, um, you know, we were down in uh, France because um, Brand Jordan takes care of us and they really dope. Shout out to Brand Jordan. But, um, you know, we were down there and, you know, we just start chopping up about all type of things. And, and that was, you know, something that we talked about as well. And so it was just, you know, again, trying to get, uh, get as many perspectives as I possibly could. Uh, and, you know, he was, you know, extremely, extremely open um, and, you know, provided, you know, a lot of information and, and good feedback for sure. Um, but again, it, it was, you know, he, he was definitely one guy that I, you know, that I, that I spoke to, but there was, you know, a lot of other people that I spoke to, you know, similar situations, but different, um, different perspectives um, that helped. But, you know, he was definitely gracious to, to you know, share the knowledge. Looking at the upcoming season, you guys have a chance to do something special. Obviously, there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good players in the league. Madden chose you as one of, I think, four players with a 99 overall rating. How does that make you feel? Did you grow up playing Madden? A lot of people ask me if I grew up playing 2K, and the answer is yes, I grew up playing 2K. So how how dope is it for you to have a 99 overall rating, and, and will you play with the Seahawks on Madden? Man, that's, that's, all, <laughs> that's, that's all I play with, man. But, no, nah, it, it was super dope, man, because – like you said, you grew up as a kid, um, you know, playing Madden. So everybody, everybody, you know, created a player. Everybody always made their player 99. And everybody always, you know, um, you know, even when you got in the league or when they had the NCAA or when they had, when I first got into Madden, you know, you went in there and edited your stats uh, to get to 99. So to start off that way was, was definitely a blessing. It was really cool because I didn't know they was doing this, but they did a mural um, down in LA. And so my family's not too far from that. And so, you know, I got an opportunity to kind of go up there and, and check it out. And so to have that kind of in, you know, you know, in California, you know, where I was, you know, around, it, it was just, um, you know, I just felt like it was perfect, you know, perfect timing, um, you know, extremely grateful for it. And it's a blessing, you know, because not a lot of people can say that. So it's just something that you can, you know, whenever you walk away to the game, you can say that you was 99 at one point. How did you find out, Bobby, that you were a 99? Um, how did I find out? I think somebody slipped up and told me. 
um, it might have been a one of the rookies. They went to the symposium, or one of the they went to a rookie. Uh, I think they had like a rookie show or rookie something in L.A. And um, they were talking about. I guess they were asking, you know, their their um, the rookies what their rating should be, and then they told like some of them, you know, who might be ninety nine. And so I knew there was a chance. And then, uh, you know, Jordan had reached out to me, uh, you know, not Jordan, but, you know, the brand reached out to me and they were designing some cleats. And when it was, you know, he was kind of getting nosy, he clicked on some of the colors. And I was like, man, they don't look like my colors. But I didn't know what they were doing. Maybe they were doing, like, for the playoffs. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, when I got the cleats, I was just like, you know, damn, those, those turned out way better than I thought, like, like way, like, different than I expected them because I didn't know it was going to be that type of gold. I thought it was going to be like a a tan or something like that. But, you know, they did a really good job with the cleats. And they sent me something I can actually wear. So I'm trying to figure out what game to bust those out. So, CJ, by the way, that means that you and, and myself and Bobby, we need to have some type of round robin, <laughs> 2K, Madden, you know, maybe throw a little FIFA in their tournament. I'm with it. I'm not very good anymore, but I'll play. I'll, I'll be competitive. Well, Bobby, <laughs> CJ is a ma- massive Browns fan, so you know he he only will play with them. So you'll 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 smack him with the hop. <laughs> we actually played them uh, this year, so we might have to do a little better. Something. Hey, hey, man! I'll definitely. We definitely talk about that offline. I think y'all play in Cleveland. Otherwise, I'll be able to make the game. I'm pretty sure y'all play in Cleveland, right? Yeah, I think so. We go out there. We travel out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try to get to a Seahawks game. I went to one two years ago. Um, it was it was crazy, the environment out there, the 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 fan support. The city the city basically shuts down, man. So yeah, man. I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna definitely try to get out there uh, when we get a little off day, a little soft little off day in training camp. What are you What are you most looking forward to this upcoming season? Um, man, I'm looking forward to building kind of you know where we left off last year. You know, obviously everybody wants to win the Super Bowl every year. But, you know, we went into the season where a lot of people, you know, counted out our talent, counted out the leadership, uh, just counted out our team. You know, I think a lot of us or a lot of the people had us going like 4-12. and 12. Um, You know, they really expected because, you know, we lost a lot of great talent that uh, we weren't going to be that good. And so we end up obviously proving them wrong. So, you know, a lot of the guys that played last year were rookies or, or younger guys. So they got, you know, a lot of opportunities last year. So, you know, we're looking for those guys to grow and, you know, looking to really make some noise, man. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's about time that we, we, we sit back at the NFC West for sure. Bobby, do you think that when – I guess like I, I would say this. When you think about the last, uh, you know, seven years, eight years that you've had in Seattle – um, obviously, you know, winning a Super Bowl is, is the ultimate accomplishment, um, the all pros and, and all these amazing things. But I, I, I always feel like athletes talk when they, they talk about the people and the relationships. And I was just wondering if you could reflect on, uh, your time with, you know, Sherm, um, Cam and Earl and the LOB in general and, and what, what your, some of your fondest memories were of them. Um, yeah, man, you definitely remember the relationships. Um, you know, I think it's always it's always cool to to when you win a championship to win with people that you genuinely rock with. And so, 
You know, we definitely did that. And, you know, playing with Cam, playing with Earl, playing with Sherm, Mike B, uh, Cliff Averill, um, you know, a lot of those guys, man, it was just an amazing time, amazing time for the franchise. Cause definitely like we're, like we're, we're together forever, no matter, no matter what the situation is, because, you know, what we were able to accomplish, but, um, um, yeah, man, you know, we definitely had some, 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 some really good memories. A lot of my, a lot of my, uh, funny memories come from Sherm because we always, uh, we always talk trash to each other, um, during the games, but there's been a handful of times where, um, you know, I think it was the Super Bowl where we were in, um, you know, we were playing in Arizona and, uh, I was trying to go for the ball and strip the ball. And then I got hit. And so I thought it was the other team that hit me. But, you know, Earl, Earl is known for doing some friendly fire. You know, he hits his teammates sometimes. So I got up <laughs> and I started getting mad at Earl because I thought Earl hit me. But after I got done getting mad at Earl, Sherm come and whisper my ear and say, my bad, it was me. And so this dude came <laughs> and closed his eyes and put his helmet right in the side of my head. And I'm like, bruh, ain't you supposed to see what you hit? And so I started to notice that Sherm closed his eyes when he hit. So, you know, I had to watch out for Sherm. But, I mean, we had like, a, you know what I'm saying, we had so many good stories, you know, on and off field, man. Uh, we had a, a lot of great time together, but, you know, I think the things that you're going to me for sure, you know, uh, is the friendly fire. So we was all trying to get to the ball first. And so we was all trying to make a big hit before anybody else. And sometimes we hit each other. And so uh, it was never fun, but the guy you never want to get hit by was for sure Cam. You never want to get a friendly fire by Cam because you were going to feel that for at least a week. <laughs> so wait, what would what would uh, Sherm say during the game? Like, what, like, give me an example of that. Um, man, we would talk about. I mean, it was just you know, it was just a way of making the game fun. So right. you know, Sherm would talk about TV shows during the game. You know, he would make fun of my swag during the game. Maybe I didn't have like you know, maybe I chose the wrong gloves. He didn't like the glove color I chose. So. It would just be funny looking back at it, you know, how, right? you know, you have this intense moment. We in these intense games and, and you know, Sherman at some point would talk about my haircut and say I should have got a haircut before the game or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Just right. something like, you know what I'm saying? It could be fourth and one, big game. Like, we need to make sure we get the, uh, the stop and, and need to get off the field to win the game. And, and you know, he would make a comment about my haircut or something like that. So it – uh, or my facial hair or something like that. So it, it it was just little things like that. But it made the game fun, man, because, um, you know, we play a pretty crazy sport. And so you always got to find ways to make the game fun. You talk about making the game fun. In high school, you played tight end. <laughs> yeah. Do you miss the position? And can we expect to see any <laughs> goal line packages where you get a little um, taste taste of the I'll old be, days? I'll be telling them, man, to, to put me in, man. So like, especially after I got that pick. And I ran it back. I tried to lobby for them to give me some um, some offers of plays, but uh, you know they're not doing it. But I do not miss um, the position whatsoever. The main reason why I went—I uh, mean, when, when I went to linebacker was because I hated having to rely on the quarterback to get me the ball. And so it could be games where I felt like I was open. I mean, every player feels like they open every play, but every game I'm wide open. I don't get the ball. 
And, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, man, defense, I control my play. I can get to the ball however many times I feel like it. So I was like, man, I'm about to go play linebacker and focus on that and end up doing it. I had a couple uh, couple times at Utah State to let me kind of run some routes and stuff like that, and it was cool. I don't think I scored, though. But, uh, you know, definitely the Seahawks want to use me as offense. They always know where I'm at. They know what locker I'm at. CJ, did, weren't you a flanker, <laughs> CJ? I played quarterback in strong safety. Um, a little bit of receiver, but I, mean, I, I I'm with you. I, I like having the ball, so I couldn't play quarterback because our quarterback was Mike Hartline. He was like 6'6". He was going to Kentucky, and uh, I wasn't better than him, and I was about 5'7 at the time, so I knew that I wasn't beating him out, and I wasn't trying to go across the middle for no man. <laughs> <laughs> just because I know how I know how hard the, the hits be and I don't like being hit like that. Yeah, that's crazy. So I just made the executive decision that I, I was done playing football because I couldn't play quarterback. And as I grew and I got taller and, and bigger, I was like, I thought about playing safety or being a big corner, like 6'3 corner. But then it was like, man, I'm really nice at hoop. And I don't know how I'm going to be in football because I ain't played in two years, so I want to go back and try it. And I just decided to stick to the indoor sports with the air conditioning. Nah, I feel you, dog. That's the best thing, man. You don't want to play. I think the coldest game I played in was um, we played down in Minnesota um, in the playoff game. Oh, I think goodness. it was negative nine, but the windshield, or the, it felt like whatever that was, was negative, like, 26. Jeez. And so all I remember is pregame, I watched one of my teammates sneeze and it turned into ice <laughs> before it even hit my man's lip. Wow. And that's when I realized, you know what, we in for a very long game. Because I've seen like, you know what I'm saying? You know how sometimes like you have like tears in your eyes, people's eyes are getting frozen shut. Oh, man. I think Cam got frostbite after the game. Did you wear long sleeves? No, nah, I went no long sleeves. We was, we was priding ourselves. I, I watched. I remember watching the, there was a game um, when the 49ers played Green Bay and I watched Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman go out there without long sleeves. And I was like, man, if I ever play in the cold, I'm going to go no long sleeves. <laughs> he, he said it was the dumbest time. thing you've done. Yeah, I definitely, definitely reconsider. Definitely going to have a jacket or something. I, I mean, so I was gonna say, like, at some point when it's so cold, what at what at what point when it's so cold do you just say, you know, this is not for me. I I'm just gonna wear the I'm gonna wear the sleeves. You know, I had a conversation actually. You mentioned the Niners, uh, Bobby. I had a conversation about uh, when San Francisco played Green Bay at Green Bay in the playoffs with with Colin Kaepernick, and he told me that he purposely did not wear sleeves. Because he knew that Rodgers would wear sleeves, and it was he—if he believed, at least in his head—that he would have the mental advantage if everybody saw the quarterback that was on the visiting team not wearing sleeves. So there is something, there is some kind of like psychological warfare. I feel like with with football players, right? That that was the game I watched, and that was the that was the one. I've been watching him too, Colin having no no sleeves on. But now it's definitely a um, you know mental. A mental thing because you know I don't I don't remember the score or where we were at or anything like that, but I knew we were going to win. Right. Because when you looked at our sideline, we was ready to play, and when you looked at their sideline, they last possible <laughs> second to get out of their jacket. 
<laughs> so we knew they were thinking more about the code right. than the game. So we knew at some point we was going to win because we knew that, um, you know, we knew that they, they just wasn't like, it wasn't in it. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't, uh, you know, they were focusing on the wrong thing. So, um, you know, and it's, a, it's just a mental thing, man. You look across and you, like, I, I look across like the first game or the first play I seen, um, you know, AP didn't have no, um, he didn't have nothing on. He just had to tell me no. And then the next series, I seen him put the skull cap on. So then I was thinking to myself too, like, okay, I know he's thinking about this code. So we could just outlast them. They're going to focus on the code more than the game. And we felt like we was going to win the game, which we did. Yeah, y'all better than me, man, because I would have been out there with the hand warmer, the hoodie, the wristbands with the long sleeves to keep me extra warm. And I would have had my hands in the warmer until until the ball was stamped. Hey, you got to understand, man. We still we still human. So we, we turned into motivation. We was like, um, you know, every time we got on the field, we was like, hey, the faster we either get the ball away from them or, you know, the faster we get off this field, the faster we can get back to the to the heaters. So that was our mindset, man. We was like, yeah, make the smart. play that's so smart. we can get that's back to the heaters. That's a good way to look at it. I like it. CJ, don't forget about the foot warmers, too. Oh, yeah, because your feet, yeah, them them cleats. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. Them cleats are thin. Feet got to be frozen. Yeah, I put, a, I put a couple feet warmers in my shoes, so they was all right. Bobby, have you ever seen a guy that, that's so cold that you, you almost feel like, I don't want to say uh, badly for somebody, but have you ever sympathized for someone that was so cold or that you hit so hard has that, does that, does that ever happen on during a game? Never. Yeah, I ain't worried about them. <laughs> I like. I like. The <laughs> I, mentality. I like the mentality. You don't get. You, you don't become a ninety-nine overall on that by worrying about other people. Bobby, what about like a quarterback that you really respect? Will you like what? Do you ever? Do you, have you ever helped a guy up? How about that? I mean, I feel like I've seen you do that. Um, I, I've helped. Yeah, I've definitely helped some quarterbacks up for sure. Um. I don't know who I, I can't remember, but I got some. I got people made it a big deal last year when I didn't help uh, the rookie up. Well, he a rookie, so he ain't he ain't supposed to get helped up. But I mean, it, it just depends. It's just like a certain level of respect. Like you know, what I'm saying if you like Larry Fitzgerald is like the first person to come to mind. Like you know, you hit him, and he you know he's sitting on the ground. You might help him up just because you know the what he's done done in the game the type of person he is, the type of man he is, there's still, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, it's still respect. So, um, you know, it's not really something that you think about. I'm not thinking about I'm going to help him up or not help him up. It just depends on the moment. Yeah, I like, I like, I agree. I think it just depends on who's on the ground. If it's somebody that historically maybe takes too many hard fouls and you get a chance to take a hard foul on them or you see somebody knock them down, uh, I would tell my teammates don't help them up. That's the same dude that when I get into the cup, he trying to knock me down. Why would y'all help him up? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think it just depends on on who it is and and what their history is, not just performance wise, but if you know it's somebody that that may be late hitting, and you see him on the ground, you are gonna step right over him. Like ah, I'm cool on him. Yeah, if it's a, if it's a player that talk a lot of trash and, and don't really back it up, like I'm not helping him up. You know what I'm saying? You gonna stay down there. And I'm trying to put you back down there as many times as I can. Yeah, I'm with that. I like it. I like it. So here, here's my, here's my, I got two, two, two quick follows. One, 
Bobby, I want to solve this once and for all. Mike B tells me that he is really nice at hoop, and I figure nobody better than you to debunk this myth or tell me it's legit. Nah, he he's good. He's good. He got he got his moments. He got his moments where he don't look that good either. But uh, I say he a free he he a guy you want on your team. Okay. Um, he also tells me that Earl thinks he's nice, but Earl is not good. Earl probably thinks he's Jordan. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but I wouldn't say he's not good. He's definitely good. Like, he's definitely, uh, you know, he's definitely legit. Like, if we make a, you know, starting five, uh, you know, on the team, he's definitely making the cut for sure. But, you know, again, he got a certain he got a certain mindset where, you know, he, he feel like he the best. Like, he he could walk on to, you know, Portland Draft Trailblazers and probably feel like he the best. 100%. So it's just, I think might be talking about that mindset. But, I mean, you got to have a mindset to play what he plays. I, f- I mean, that's, I guess that's why Earl's so great. What, uh, who would be, I guess my last thing then is, uh, Bobby, who is the, um, who are the, the, the best, you know, basketball players that, that you've played with that are, that are NFL players? I would say the best one that I've played with thus far is definitely Sidney Rice. Um, I guess he was all state at basketball and could have played basketball. And so, you know, mostly everybody says that. Any majority of football players say they was all state at both sports. But, you know, you run with him. He pulled enough from, like, half court. He could dunk. He played defense. Like, he, if, if he didn't – he's a person I can look at and be like, okay, he probably could have played in the league for, like, a good, you know, eight, seven to ten years for sure. CJ, who's the best football player that you've been around that that hooped? I seen some some video of Mahomes hooping. He looked like he got game. I ain't never hooped with him, but he looked like he got game. Uh, the way he move and shoot. Um, I don't really hoop with football players like that. But like I feel like receivers, safeties, linebackers, like those skill positions. Most quarterbacks they got good touch. They got good footwork, and depending on like. The size of a guy, so like that's six one to like six five, six six, usually means that you probably played basketball in high school because you was kind of tall, kind of athletic. So I think a lot of guys in that range usually, most quarterbacks got a little jumper that I've seen, you know, historically. Most receivers is kind of athletic, linebackers kind of athletic, safeties to where they can still move, post up, get to the cup. Actually, I did, I played with Sue. I played with Sue once and Sue surprised me. Really? He's athletic. He can set screens. He can move. He got good touch around the basket. I was really surprised. And that's when I said, no way I'm ever playing football <laughs> because these dudes are huge. And still fast. It can move. And it's crazy. Like I'm like, could you imagine trying to run away as a quarterback and you run like a 4-7, four, 4-8, four, and the D lineman is faster <laughs> than you and bigger than you and stronger than you? Like, I'm cool on that. And that's when I knew. Like, I made the right decision. When I see him hoop, I was like, he can really move. Bobby, you know what's crazy is that um, when you like when you think about what CJ just said about the you know NFL players, I don't think fans understand the violence of the NFL. There's there's one thing on TV, there's one thing to be at a game, but to be on the sideline 
when you hear it, when you when you see it, and when you hear a hit at the NFL level, it's not until you're on the sideline do you really understand the impact. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a different feel because when you when you're out there and on the field, you get to hear the the communication um, that's going on during the game. You actually get to hear the the hits that happen every single play because sometimes the TV picks it up and sometimes it doesn't. But um, you know, I definitely feel like it's a it's a definitely different experience because you see how much the guys are communicating. Like for us, you see how loud it gets and how you know loud we got to talk just to communicate. And so you know, it's definitely it's definitely an art to it for sure. I appreciate you coming on, man, and wishing nothing but the best going forward. And I'm gonna try to get to a Seahawks game, but if I don't, man, you're welcome to come to a Blazer game at any point uh, during the season. Just let me know, and I'll take care of it. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. Definitely let me know when you're trying to come to a game. We'll get you on the sideline. Thanks, Bobby. Peace.